Woo! Come and get it, because we're in town for a party, Daddy. Hello and welcome to Ear Seduction. I'm your host, Paul Schilling. Today we do something completely different from anything we've done so far in Season 1 of Ear Seduction. And we talk about pro wrestling. Now, not just any pro wrestling. We talk about pro, les- pro wrestling from back in the day, the 80s. The late 70s, early 80s, to be exact. Now, I grew up in, in that era. I was a, a young man in that era. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, somewhere around there. And when I was that age, this was the coolest thing I had ever seen. This and Mike Tyson's boxing. Now, let's talk about the podcast for a second. In our quest to determine what it is we're actually going to do for this show, how we're going to produce this podcast, we had some thoughts about, well, we should probably try to entertain people and we should talk about things that we like. So in this episode, I gave Minnesota Misanthrope full creative control and he took us into the WWE and WWF and WCW into that world. It was something he was just getting into at the time and he thought, well, let's have sort of a banter sode and just talk about it. So that's what we did. So hopefully this entertains you. I know it was sort of a walk down memory lane for me at the time. And thank you again for listening to Ear Seduction. And now, ladies and gentlemen, welcome my co-host, Mr. Monocane himself, Minnesota's own, the Midwest misanthrope. Okay, brother, we got Big John Stud on the agenda tonight. We're going back into the past. What year would you say that we are going back to? Is this 1983? Man, I think I think we're looking more. Uh, that's a good question. I mean, I I don't really know when the guy started out. It's early 80s, though, right? I mean, we're talking mullets, we're talking bleach blondes, yeah. we're talking steroids. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure this guy in particular, uh, Mr. Big Jones. Yeah, he. Uh, I, I wouldn't even tell if he was probably in like the uh, maybe in late seventies type of thing. He just kind of rolled over and transitioned into the into the eighties. And uh, I don't know, man. I guess as far as talking about Mr. Big John Stud, when it comes down to these old school wrestlers, I think what I'm mainly about is I'm not trying to do uh, a, a type of uh, biography on these guys. I'm trying to just flat out talk about straight up appreciation and uh, show respect. Wave the flag when it comes down to uh, just the class act that this shit was back in the day, man. No, and I hear that, brother. I'm not. I'm. I'm just. I'm just setting the stage here. I don't want anybody to not know that what we're talking about. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like we're talking about some hardcore fucking. Remember the '80s, dude. Remember the early '80s. Remember when you were six right. or five or seven or eight, and this just blew the fuck up. It went from small arenas. 
with fucking police people talking over the loudspeaker to to fucking Madison Square Garden to to big huge venues that Indeed. sold out huge amounts of 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 seats fourteen thousand seats eight ten thousand seats oh, it, it was the real deal I mean this was mainstream wrestling for like a good five or six years no doubt and and with that being said it's it's one of these like you like you put it so eloquently right there uh. The sport of wrestling, I remember back in the day when I knew it, it was like AWA and, uh, God, I think there was some other, there was a couple other genres, but I remember watching this shit when I was, when I was a kid and turned on and it was literally televised in like a high school gym. Yeah. <laughs> it piping in audience cheers. Like it was just like a con, you, you might as well have been playing uh, pro wrestling on Nintendo. You know what I mean? It was just like this, ah, and you look at the road, <laughs> and the crowd isn't even moving. Nobody's yeah. You know what I mean? It was it was something for, you know, maybe like a father and his kids to go do, or maybe like some 13 or 14-year-old local event just to get out of the house, do something different, get away from mom for a sec. Yeah, it was under 18, so you could go, so you went. Yeah, but meanwhile, you know they're selling beer to everybody. And they're just, it's, it's just so broken down, popcorn, you know, fucking, you'd be lucky if there's probably a hot dog or something going on. And you're, this, this, probably the school faculty are the ones that are basically running the show. At, not even running the show, but they're like, where's our money, right? Because all these wrestlers and this, these events are just going from town to town. They're not going by plane, they're driving. And the idea that it, it was so simple and these guys, they weren't even really, they were professional athletes, but to the caliber that we have today when it comes to like uh, supplements and when it comes to, you know, actual focusing on physical health and diet. This ain't happening. This ain't happening back then. These are guys who are basically just like, I'm going to eat a bunch of food and I'm just, you know, genetically I'm big, maybe not really muscular, kind of tubby, and I'm just going to go out there in my underwear and wear some boots and I'm just going to have a hell of a time with this guy and we're basically going to man dance, kind of do a playwright type of thing with our, you know, with our lamb chop, funk and our, you know, everything about it was just meant to keep it as simple and stupid as possible, and it had its charm because of that. And then all of a sudden, you got people like Hulk Hogan, and you got people like Andre the Giant, who are obviously like the the, the big draws. They had like the crazy interviews or whatever. And, and so, oh, Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh. He, when when he came in, that and the Ultimate Warrior to me changed the game. Like no, that's no. when I came into my prime in wrestling, and that's when those guys hit the scene hard and it was like yeah you were taking sides i mean there was there was uh what is the demolition crew is that is that yep. the guy's axe and smash or whatever and speaking of which just like a side note while we were while we're mentioning this um if you'd like to check out royal rumble number two which is 1989 wwf you will see probably uh the most Shocking number one and number two places in Royal Rumble history <laughs> as number one was Axe from Demolition. Yeah, yeah. And number two was Smash from Demolition. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had that before. Those two guys clearly were able to just get past the fact that they were tag team champions. Yeah. 
cuss each other out. I think I think uh, I think they made it quite a bit, but I don't know, dude. That's the type. That's the type of simple bullshit that had never been seen before. To which, when you were like, I was nine years old at the time when I saw that, I was like, oh, yeah. Happening. Yeah. <laughs> Ew, you know, and then <laughs> like, huh? Don't do it. And then when they started, yeah. No. No. Hit his brother against brother. It was painful <laughs> to watch. This is terrible. Yeah. And it was, uh, and and I turned it on last night, and I was like, that's that's some brilliant shit. Well, and, okay, go ahead. Sorry, I got two so, things to say, but go ahead. Yeah, I, I just wanna I wanna bring it back to the fact that the reality is is like those those wrestlers that you were talking about are are big deals, but. The idea of what we're talking about or what we're going to be exploring with this podcast is bringing up more of the maybe not so well-known characters or the ones that have simply gotten pushed out of people's memories and just revisiting them to, to just kind of spark those memories back up. And with Andre the Giant coming into the mix uh, and how, you know, much of a genetic abomination of life <laughs> physically. Uh, and, and I say that with uh, respect for the guy. Anybody who has difficulty walking to the ring, yeah. he performs as a wrestler, I just got nothing but respect for him. But clearly, that guy was in fucking pain uh, from birth. Just being alive, yeah. yeah <laughs> His that guy zygote was like, ooh, ouch. That guy came out sounding like, uh, you know, basically sounding like Barry White. Straight out the room. Hey, mama. Yeah. <laughs> and with that being said, prior to Andre the Giant, um, there was Mr. Big John Studd. Now, hold on. Before you get into it, I got two things. Please. Yeah, okay. We're- so... We're in it. Yeah, but before you get to John Studd, because we're going to have, this is what we're talking about today. So, But before we get into that, so Axe and Smash, the demolition crew, before they picked up the third guy, which I can't remember what his name was. That's stop, yeah. So we don't call out of respect. Yeah. It was just demolition. Are you sure? I'm positive. It was just cool. So, but I I totally understand what you're saying, but it was straight. No, it's like it, it was like the Facebook, and they dropped the face. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you got to keep me honest here. So demolition came out, dude, right. and they had painted faces, and they kicked ass. Like that's all they fucking did. And I remember watching them and being just in awe of how physically just. Just intimidating, and the prowess that they carried to the ring. That was what I remember from them as a as a ten year old. You know what I mean? No like doubt. that's that's what I remember seeing. I remember seeing just these peacock studs walk out there and just walk through people. Mm. And that mm. takes me that takes me to my next uh, my next point, dude. And that's this. This to me, dude, is the most comical and rich. I mean, it's just rich with cultural. Uh, significance wrestling and the display that these men are putting on, being fake as it is, being outlandish as it is and outrageous as it is. This is peacockery in, in its in its pinnacle form. Yeah. I mean, I mean, think of think of the the amount of progress we've had to come through for that to be entertaining. Yeah. Nobody's even getting hurt. Yeah. It's completely fake. The violence is non-existent. That to me, I mean, you could you could say a lot about it. You, this is me just analyzing it probably too deeply, but 
the fact that people got into that shows an amazing amount of progress, in my opinion. I mean, we're, we're showing people just these peacocks freaks, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what they, what they, what they lose in just beating each other to death, they gain in this crazy display of, of outlandish behavior. But anyway, I'll leave it at that. Hey, John Studd. Yeah, well, before we get to uh, uh, the minor amount of information that, we were, that we're going to cover with Big John Studd. BJS. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> before we do that, at the same time, there's something that needs to be recognized is that I, I, I love going down the wormholes or the rabbit holes when it comes to YouTube and wrestling. All of this, all of this time and era, and there's a yeah. lot of people who think the same way that I do. And there's also a lot of people that take it to the next level. For example, to give perspective, the Legion of Doom, <laughs> Hawk and Ant were in the genre. I believe at the time it was AWA, perhaps it was WCW. Uh, it was either the American Wrestling uh, Association or else it was the World Championship Wrestling. One of the two, but. The Legion of Doom, uh, or Road Warriors, either way, whichever name they were going by at the time, Hawk and Animal, those guys were <laughs> the whole kind of, uh, were, were crazy, messed up, face-painted wrestlers, okay? And they were from, they were from Chicago. And now, did I misspeak earlier? Did, did Demolition paint their no. faces too? Yeah, they, they did. And that's, okay, okay. You're absolutely right, Paul. Because, it, because I remember these guys that you're talking about. I remember Hawk, and what was the other guy's name? Animal. Animal, yeah, I remember these guys. Okay, go ahead, sorry. Uh, they were the original idea of that kind of uh, post-apocalyptic wrestler, yeah. right? And WWF wanted to get on board. So there's, there's there's this really cool back and forth that happens with WCW and WWF, especially in that era where it was it was competitive. And WCW was obviously the kind of B league, but they yeah. started these stars that were coming out. And there's actually this really fascinating transition which happens, which is in the '90s, uh, WCW became more popular than WWF. In result of these wrestlers switching over to WCW, <laughs> the NWO <laughs> was born. <laughs> for legitimate contract issues that were occurring within uh, Vince McMahon, the owner of WWF, and I forget the guy, the owner of WCW. And that's the thing, man. Like I'm not, I'm not a hardcore fan, but when you put it, when you when you look into this stuff, you start to realize there's these fantastic completely irrelevant stories that are happening with these real-life people in this strange genre of entertainment. <laughs> Just completely fascinating. Well, I, can, I, can I point something out that's ironic? Uh, so the entire enterprise is fake. It's, yes. it's showmanship and peacockery and nonsense, right? And it's baffling to think that they actually had a real business. They actually had real people that had to sign real contracts for a real amount of time. And there was like a, it was legislated, it, it, for lack of a better word. It wasn't literally legislated, but you know what I mean, right? Like, well, it was kind of through contract law, but 
Oh, it completely. What, blow, what blows my mind is that there were real, like, Tupac versus Biggie type problems in the fucking World Wrestling Federation. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the total enterprise of it was was just nonsense. But there it, was a real flourishing business there. I mean, there was money to be made, and those people had to make real-world business decisions. They found these steroided-out fucking peroxide freaks who had to become businessmen. They had to make heads or tails of all this shit because there was money to be made. Exactly. And and these are these are people's lives. Well, and those lawsuits are real. Yeah. And they're for millions of dollars. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's a, it's a it's almost like here here's the thing. We're going to take a journey throughout this podcast and the <laughs> We're going to learn about how a man shit himself during a match. Big John Stud? No. No. Oh. I'm, just, I'm just providing some topics that we will be exploring. <laughs> yes, yes. We're going we're gonna to be we're gonna be talking about how um, people have died, okay? We're going to be talking about real live injuries of bones popping out of guys' you know, legs. We're going to be talking yeah. about... We're going to be talking about how uh, the porn industry has influenced the females and the males in this genre to the point of I'm a yeah, porno is porno, but at the same time I'm understruck that I can look up one of the women wrestlers and her form of porno is fingering herself while she's taking a piss. <laughs> We're going to be looking into how somebody has committed suicide. Because the you know because he was in love with a female who was getting fucked by everybody. These are all common day topics. However, they're common day topics that I don't believe are being discussed within the the, the population of people who don't watch wrestling. I don't watch wrestling today, but I appreciate the fact that here's all these intertwining stories that exist that you don't have to you don't have to make up and then at the end of the day they're all because of the system that's in place and you don't want to surpass by the fact that you have entertainers that are involved within this this show, this this lifestyle that were overlooked that but were important when it came to making like the the superstar these guys didn't exist. The superstars wouldn't be able to shine. Right. So you take somebody uh, who's just, you know, a, he, he was probably one of the key components when it came to keeping the sport alive in order to create a door for people like Andre the Giants, for people like Hulk Hogan within that era because there really wasn't that much else going on besides, don't get me wrong, the greatest wrestler ever, in my opinion, is Ric Flair. <laughs> he was around, but that was a different that was a different bracket. So for that one, was that was earlier too, right? That was late seventies. Yeah, but you know, Ric Flair, he never went away. But if it wasn't because if it wasn't for this guy, I don't think people would have been drawn to wrestling to the point to where they would have been like, "This is you know, oh, because all right, so BJS, Big John Stud, all right. If it wasn't for Big John Stud, Andre the Giant wouldn't have a person to fight against." You know what I mean? If it wasn't for Big John Stud, Hulk Hogan wouldn't have a rivalry right off the bat. He wouldn't have a stepping off point. It was Big John Stud who basically dominated this whole wrestling genre to the point where people were looking around for physical freaks. 
And let's face it, man, despite Andre the Giant being bigger, he didn't have the swagger. Right, Andre the Giant was like the the birth defect that everybody. <laughs> what the fuck is that? Prior to was Big John Stud. Big John Stud. <laughs> for people who didn't know, who don't know who Big John Stud is, is Big John Stud was a monster of a man who who also rocked a couple physical features that a lot of big guys don't rock. All right, first off, obviously he wasn't fast. But when he was in the ring, what was great about Big John Stud is that he always suplexed motherfuckers. And that's all he did. So, like we were talking about Andre the Giant last night. Andre the Giant didn't really do a whole fuck of a lot. Okay? <laughs> He, he he did like the windmill arm move where he smacked the guy, right? And then and then he, what was it, the choke? Can we just call it the choke? I don't know. Yes, what, yeah. He, what, choke the guy for, what did you say, like five seconds, ten seconds? No, it was three seconds. The ref would count him off, and right. then he'd let go for a second, and then he'd choke him again. <laughs> and then when he was really upset, Andre the Giant would take the other strap, like the one strap that he was wearing, he'd unravel it. And, and you just hope that his trunk stayed on, you know? And that was... That his was big, bikini? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. That, that was his bit, man. And um, what was cool about Big John Stud is uh, he walked into that ring with a diamond-studded robe. Usually, I believe it was black and red. So basically like a bathrobe with, uh, with bedazzles on it. And he walked to the ring, and the guy had a mullet. <laughs> which that D. Snyder would have been proud of. And he he also rocked a beard, too, which was a different color, which back in the day, that, that showed a sign of uh, genetic superiority. You know what I mean? Like, if you had, if your hair wasn't the same color as your beard, you had something special going on. <laughs> and, and Big John Studd also en- engrossed the character of being a millionaire with never showing any money, right? But he, when he did interviews, he'd basically be talking away and he's just like, I make thousands of dollars, blah, 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 because if, when I just walk down the hallway, I make thousands of dollars. So I don't need to be in this wrestling thing for money. And that was the bit back then. It was always about money. These wrestlers are here to make money. So it's kind of like a, a blood sport for money. That's apparently what they were all there. They're all trying to get this cash prize. Big John Studd's character already had a lot of money, and then he always just came, you know, walked around and just did whatever he wanted because he was the biggest guy. He was slow as fuck. <laughs> but he made it a point to make sure that every match that he did, he wasn't just, like, pushing guys aside like Andre the Giant. He wasn't choking them like Andre the Giant. He wasn't doing the bear hug like Andre the Giant. He was picking mother and he was throwing them across the ring. And to me, that I salute Mr. Big John Stud for showing up to every match and making sure that because he wasn't fast and he couldn't move for shit, I'm going to pick whoever up, and I'm going to throw him around. And that's what everybody came to see, man. A big guy throw another guy around. But on top of that, then Big John Stud decided to go ahead and say, I'm going to one-up that which I am already giving you. And everybody's saying, Big John Stud, you're showing up in the bathroom with jewelry and glitter. Yes, I am. You go, Big John Stud, you're you're acting like you don't even need to be here because you already have money. Yes, I am. <laughs> you're showing up with the greatest hair in wrestling right now, and you're all... Yes, I am. Big John Stud, you're already throwing people around for us. What more could you possibly give us? I'm going to walk there. I'm going to take off the robe. I'm going to be wearing white tights. <laughs> white tights and red boots. <laughs> 
And nothing else. <laughs> and nothing else. <laughs> and that is why we have dedicated the introduction to this wrestling segment from back in the day, Mr. Big John Stud, because if it wasn't for Big John Stud being this middle entity present, we would not be able to appreciate the other wrestlers to come because I truly believe that Big John Stud set the mark when it came to making a lot of other superstars get to be where they got to. So, and at the end of the day, too, I do know this little sad fact. Um, apparently, Big John Stud died of Hodgkin's disease. Hodgkin's disease? Refresh me. What is that? I was hoping you would fucking know. Hodgkin's disease? Hodgkin's disease. From what I can tell, it's, it's basically like a flu. Like, as far as, like, how you die, you die of symptoms of the flu. But it can be, it can affect different areas of your body. But at the end of the day, all the symptoms are basically Hodgkin's disease. How right. you done? I'm going to look it up. You keep going. Yeah. All right. Cool. So, yeah. Uh, but prior to Big John Stud dying, <laughs> what was really cool is that, the WWF went ahead and, and uh, paid him homage by uh, allowing him to win a – or setting up the show for him to win a Royal Rumble, which is pretty – I actually believe it might have been the 1989 Royal Rumble. Wait, don't quote me on that. All I know is that Big John Studd, he took like a three- or four-year retirement, and uh, he came back briefly to try and come back to wrestling. He was planning on doing that, but that's when his health got worse. But he he uh, he beat uh, the Royal Rumble, and he did it by uh, the only way that Big John Stud could do it. The only remainers, the, the last two remaining wrestlers thing were Akeem, which we're going to talk about Akeem in future podcasts, because Akeem is fucking fascinating. And uh, Yossi, the million-dollar man. And uh, what happened was is that, you know, spoiler alert, spoiler alert to anybody who's listening to this, but Big John Stud kicked out Akeem after Akeem was being bribed by Ted DiBiase, because Ted DiBiase couldn't do anything to Big John Stud, so Ted DiBiase bought Akeem in order to beat up uh, BJS, until BJS threw Akeem out, and in only Big John Stud fashion, before throwing Ted DiBiase out of the ring, he basically did four different types of suplexes on Ted DiBiase. <laughs> throwing Ted DiBiase out of the ring like a fucking rag doll. And it's probably one of the greatest victories of a Royal Rumble you could ever see because it was so well choreographed because Ted DiBiase. People don't appreciate the magic of the overacting of Ted DiBiase. That guy <laughs> like a fucking car out of water. It made every move seem like the most violent impact move on the game. Not to mention that he had a fucking black butler always hanging around the ring named Virgil, which was fast as well. But, and also... Another, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, wait. Another side okay. to Ted DiBiase is, if it wasn't for Ted DiBiase, Stone Cold Steve Austin would have never been brought into the WWE or WWF because Ted DiBiase brought in Stone Cold as originally called the ringmaster, Steve Austin, which later became Stone Cold Steve Austin, which is only a result of the fact of Stone Cold turning into Stone Cold after leaving Ted DiBiase because of Jake the Snake Roberts 
going down the crack pipe and reciting Bible verses, to which Stone Cold later said a Bible verse of 316, which was the code, uh, which was a Bible verse that Steve Austin recited, saying, and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold says so, and Stone Cold, obviously, in this mecca, All of these things, much like, dude, bottom line is Big John Stud is the Kevin Bacon of wrestling. (laughs) All gravitate back to fucking Big John Stud, man. So I'm just okay. Okay, Big John Stud. No, no, that's that's a perfect place for me now. Hopkins lymphoma, which was formerly known as Hopkins disease, is a cancer of the lymphatic system, which is part of your immune system. In Hodgkin's lymphoma, cells in the lymphic, lymphatic excuse me, system grow abnormally and may spread beyond the lymphatic system. As Hodgkin's lymphoma progresses, it compromises your body's ability to fight infection, which is why he died of flu-like symptoms, because he died of the flu due to Hodgkin's lymphoma. <laughs> Crazy. Crazy. That sucks, man, because it's a disease where the it's symptoms- cancer. It's cancer, and it's relatable symptoms that we have all experienced. And that is a shitty fucking way to die. Yeah, like everybody dies. Like, you know, that's like a third world death. Yeah. Just with an added layer. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure everybody's had the flu to the point to where they're just like, fucking just, just, you know, just fucking kill me. You know what I mean? Dude, I think one time I almost died. Sure. Of the fucking flu. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to take the wind out of yourself. I got a funny story though. After you're done. No. No. I mean, seriously. Just go ahead and tell it. Yeah, uh, dude. So like, fucking five years ago or something, I was living in Wash Park. It was like 2005, and I got this crazy flu and decided to medicate with like a Nyquil or something like that. And I was on so much fucking Nyquil that. And I don't, here's the thing. I don't know if it was because of the flu and I was just so sick or if I was just dosed out on NyQuil or what. Cause I, I don't feel like I did as much as this story warrants. But anyway, I literally woke up three different times lying on the ground, like in the hallway, in the living room, in the kitchen, <laughs> just completely unable to function. I would wake up and be like, what the fuck am I doing in the kitchen? And then I would have to like get up and walk like a zombie through the house because my fever was just off the fucking charts. And it's like one of those, it's like one of those sicknesses where you go and you look at yourself in the mirror and you look like you're dying. So you sort of start to cry. You know what I mean? You're just like, oh God. And I was all alone. I lived alone and I was hallucinating. Essentially, I was like going through this crazy third dimension where nothing was real. I would go in and out of consciousness without being in control of anything. And then when I was conscious, I was like such a high fever and such a high medication level that I was hallucinating and seeing shit to where I was like crying, (laughs) staring at myself in the mirror. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And it's, it's such a, if you, if you're able to, uh, have the flu and be able you feel like you have control over the situation, I salute your ass. When I'm really sick, that's one thing. When it comes down to like pneumonia or something, it's like I know I, I know I have pneumonia. I know I'm sick for these reasons and there's just nothing you can fucking do except take some steroids and some antibiotics and, and just grind it out. When you have the flu, you realize that you're you're mortal. <laughs> and that's, that's the only thing that comes to your mind. It's like, something you can fuck you. You're, you're completely out of control, obviously. And 
I just feel like uh, my heart goes out to the guy for the fact that you're not dying of bleeding to death. You're not dying of pneumonia because you can't breathe. You're dying because, like you said, you're, you're, you got the fevers, you're hallucinating, and you're not dying right away, though. You're, it's long and drawn out process, and uh, just seems like probably I don't know. I think I'd rather. There's a lot of different ways I would rather die health related than dying as if I have the flu. <laughs> I'm just saying, man. That's a fucking. That's a horrible way to die. I I don't know though, dude. Like just from the story that I was just telling you, like being totally, I, I could have just died and I wouldn't have even know I was dead. Like that's how out of it I was. It wasn't like I I had any coherent thoughts. It was just sure extreme fatigue, you know, punctuated by hallucinations and wandering around my apartment eating ice cream. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that that was what I did for like eight days. Oh, I I, I hope that's uh, I hope that's what he experienced. Uh. You know yeah, I mean? yeah. Like it, it's not not all is lost is what I'm trying to say. I think I think it's possible that he had a good ending. Although dying of pneumonia is fu- or of the flu is fucking bullshit. In yeah. in the United States, that's fucking bullshit. Ah, uh, that is unacceptable. And fuck, I mean the thing I hate about uh, getting sick it, it really is the fevers more so than the puking. Like if I puke, I'm just like, yeah, it's. It's on now. Uh, if if I got the fever, uh, you know when you're 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 so fucking cold. Oh yeah. <laughs> what's going on? And all of a sudden, you, you know, you're in your you might pass out, just out of fatigue, and then you wake up and the bed is just drenched <laughs> down. And then it's the worst, man. It's the worst. Like me personally, I'd inject hot with a needle, which would be the complete incorrect thing to do. Mm-hmm. Like, if I had a syringe available, if I did, you know, if I was diabetic, I wouldn't go past the idea of boiling some water, drawing some water up, and just jamming that fucking needle <laughs> with some warm, water. yeah. <laughs> and then wake up, you know, pass out, and wake up, and my arm's on fire. You know what I mean? And that's... These are all risks that I would probably take because that's how miserable I am when I have the fevers. I, I fucking hate having it sucks. So well, real quick, real quick, dude, we're gonna we're digressing a little bit from we got to get back to wrestling. But dude, do we need to cover Ric Flair because you referred to Ric Flair earlier? You consider him the best wrestler ever to live. We've already talked about how John Studd laid the foundation for most of the wrestlers to come, and then died a horrible death. Yeah, and when I say when I say most. I do say we should also we could also call it uh, the majority because at the end of the day, man, Ric Flair. Uh, think about it. There's nothing. There's there's been nothing on this planet that can overact. You know, be uh, offensive and annoying. Yet you can't look away at how real it is as the power. Of the nature boy, <laughs> Ric Flair. Physically, the specimen, physically, nothing else like it on this planet. <laughs> nothing that is, that is relatable to Ric Flair. You and I are monkeys. We have features of monkeys. Ric Flair, he's like a negative. It was like a it was like a, a sense of entitlement where. <laughs> I first saw Ric Flair, I looked at him and I was like, I don't understand what the fuck is going on here. This combination isn't settling in. 
correctly. You have the you have the you have the white bleached hair, natural white bleached hair. You have tan. You have the face of a maniac with the split tooth, like he played hockey or something, and the crazy beady eyes, piercing blue, screaming at you. I don't know, man. Like it's it's not a it's not a what. What would be considered a I don't know a natural look, and maybe that was the thing. <laughs> it was so disturbing to the senses that he decided to embrace the fact that it's all natural. I'm the nature boy. <laughs> Mother nature made, and, and he and Mother made Mother nature made me in the sign in the shape of perfection, which everybody else is going. Is that perfection? And he's going, <laughs> yeah. I am perfection, and after a while, you're going, I think he's right. <laughs> I don't know. I think he's right. And the years go by, you're like, yes, of course. The nature boy. The fucking nature boy. I hope we breed more of them as a species. You know what I mean? I hope the rest, we can, God willing, we can only be so lucky in the year, in the year 3000, we all are descendants of the nature boy. I'm gonna <laughs> look something like the nature. Like our features are all related to. Oh, you're either, you know, the genome study either shows that you have more of the nature boy's hair in you, <laughs> or more of the nature boy's teeth in you, and that that's your subgenre. You know what I mean? He fucking nailed it, man. He came out. <laughs> he came out to fucking space odyssey for fuck's sake. You know what I mean? It's the greatest fucking wrestler. I'm a, I'm lost for words, man. I'm thunderstruck. We got no. we, just, we can't just blaze over the nature. You know what I mean? Like, what do you what do you remember about the nature that sticks in your mind? Though? You know, it's funny. It it was like a memory that I didn't have until I started watching old footage again. Right. Like. I didn't. I didn't have this memory. Like Ric Flair was not somebody that I thought about until I watched a YouTube like compilation of his shit, of his crazy outbursts and just nonsense. And then I was like, Oh yeah, I remember this fucking guy. He was fucking crazy, like out of his mind. Yeah, dude. He he was in the middle of a rant in the ring, and then he stopped in mid rant, and he goes. You need to you need to watch your mouth and shut up, boy. Cause I'll take your mom out back and I'll make her say Mickey Mouse. <laughs> and you go, what the fuck does that mean, man? What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> he, he he says, I take women. You'd always be like, I'll take you on Space Mountain. I'm gonna show you Space Mountain. Ric Flair, for some reason, was able to be like, oh, I'm gonna take your girl. And I'm going to show her Space Mountain. And you're just like, yeah, man. Nature Boy. <laughs> Girl. There's nothing relatable between those two references. You know what I mean? There's nothing. You can't. You cannot connect Space Mountain to Fucky in any way possible. There's nothing there. Unless I'm missing something. Is there something to that? I had to oh. my dick in women before, and I fucked them, and I've come outside them and on them. <laughs> Never once have I thought to myself, just like Space Mountain, right? That's no, I've never thought that either, by the way. <laughs> that's, the nature, that's the nature boy, Ric Flair. That's what he gave us. That's what he gives us to this day. As an old man, he is still by far. You know, his his wife just got in, like, uh, she had some health issues, like, uh, a couple of days ago, I guess. 
Well, how old is he? He's got to be really, really, really fucking old, right? 70. 70s? 70s. Holy shit. Oh, he lasted a lot longer than I thought he would. Dude. Dude, I'm watching, I'm watching on mute a compilation of him. <laughs> it's fucking amazing. <laughs> when he, when he, alright, here's something that both Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan brought to the table. Their hair. Yeah, oh yeah. That bleach blonde hair, whatever the fuck that is. Ric Flair's is like white. Yeah. Yeah, like he—he's like Steve Martin. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's just that weird, weird thing that happens. But the fact that when you back in the day of those, you know, those days of wrestling, when they had those little razors in their in their uh, in their <laughs> yeah, and they <laughs> they would cut, they make little slices, and the way their hair would turn red, dude, that was. They look like they were fucking Clay Guida, bleeding like Clay Guida, but there was only like little, little, you know, microscopic slices that were in their skin. <laughs> yeah. All because of that fucking hair. You know what I mean? And it's like uh, Josh Koscheck when he got just fucked up, he was just covered in blood. Oh, with the uh, with with the jabs. <laughs> well, that time too, but there was a time when he fucked somebody else up. I can't remember who it was, like CB Dalway or somebody like that. He fucked him up and bloodied him. And, you know, he's a real good wrestler, ground and pound. But and he had but, that fucking stupid haircut with his really long, blonde, curly hair. And he came out with like a red, he had red on his head like dick on a dog. It was fucking, it was bad. <laughs> yeah, there's something about it, man. There's something about that that brings it to like, that heightens your senses, in my opinion. Where, where, where you would see that same type of thing and be like, Jesus, man, they're bleeding a lot. But when they when he had that bleach blonde hair contract, <laughs> yeah. uh Who's the UFC uh, big cunt? Or Mark Hunt. Mark Hunt. Yeah. Mark Hunt, man. When he's bleeding, he's like, oh, this is disgusting. It's something about that contrast of that hair color. It just intensifies the situation. I don't think it was done on purpose. I'm just saying that's how that's how natural of entertainers these guys were. And in my opinion, Hulk Hogan was more of the guy who was Screaming in the screaming in the microphone, and Ric Flair was more the guy who was also screaming on a coke ring, but was doing it in a manner of complete genius. The way he <laughs> one fucking insult after another, talking about how great he was. Dude, Ric Flair by far uh, the greatest interviewer. Uh, maybe you know second greatest interviewer. But as far as wrestling styles go, number one, because when he when he was getting his ass kicked, he'd back into that corner and he starts shaking his head. You know, like don't hit me, don't hit me. No, 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 no. Stop, stop, don't hit me, don't hit me. And then he'd like do something like punch a guy in the balls and then he starts strutting around the ring. Dude. Ric Flair. Fucking incredible. But I'd have to give the award to the best wrestler interviewer to uh to the ultimate warrior. By far. Interviewee or interviewer? Uh, I guess interviewee. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Ric Flair had the, uh, said all the right things, but Ultimate Warrior said things that we didn't even know we wanted to hear. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to start watching fucking Ultimate Warrior, dude. And underneath Ric Flair, no questions asked, 100% in Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, yeah, dude. He was awesome. So, to me, it's Ultimate Warrior for interviews. 
or interviewees, uh, Ultimate Warrior, Ric Flair, Macho Man, Randy Savage. But you know what? It all depends on the mood. Yeah. I wanted to will rotate, but uh, it's definitely those are my those are my those are my go tos for sure, no doubt. All right, man. Yeah. Well, what do you What do you think, man? I think uh, we got a. What do we got? We got an hour in and fifty five seconds. I think we should uh, wrap this up by saying, Big John Stud, thank you. Yes. Thank you for uh, for being a part of our our memories. And uh, thanks for showing up to the dance. And uh, thank you for being the first the first wrestler to start this whole theme off when it comes to this podcast. There's nobody else I would have rather picked because I feel like anybody else, it would be, a, you know, it, it wouldn't have as much uh, significance within the wrestling community as much as Big John Studd, because there's a lot of people that are single entities, but what Big John Studd did was he he definitely was the jumping off point for everybody else to be better. And for that, I salute you, Big John Studd. Thank you. 